You're listening to a podcast of New Covenant Church. Join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. in Pompano. Today we're going to be in John chapter 21. A very famous conversation between Jesus and one of his best friends. And we're going to pick it up in verse 15 of John 21. We're going to be in verses 15 to 17. Let's listen to God's word. In verse 15, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Let's pray. Oh God, in these few verses, there's so much, so much for us to understand, to learn, to change us. And I pray that your spirit would move in this place in a, in a powerful way, God, as we, as we think deeper about what these words mean, not just for Peter, not just for those who read this 2,000 years ago, but for us here today. And I pray, God, that you would use my words for your glory and for our building up and our joy. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we are, we are talking about wholeness. We're talking about what we, how we are defining wholeness and that this is what, as a church, we are wanting to do, what we are wanting to bring. We are, we are wanting to bring wholeness. We want to be agents of wholeness. And this is a a loaded term. It's an all-encompassing term. See, we, we get this from our directing scripture, which is Jeremiah 29.7. And the, the way it's written originally, it says, Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you in exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. <clears throat> it's a powerful description, and I, I preached on this two weeks ago. I would encourage you to go listen to that message because that really gave an overview of what, what we're trying to do, how we're trying to communicate this idea. And we, we talked about really, if you swap out the word welfare, see that word welfare in Hebrew is shalom. Maybe you've heard of that term before. Shalom is this all-encompassing peace, this prosperity, welfare for the city, and when we say city, we don't have to lock into just, okay, our city of Pompano Beach. No, no, we're talking about our area, our region, our county, our tri-county area, South Florida is how we're kind of framing that out. And so if you swap out the term welfare and put in wholeness, this is, this is our version, this is our directing scripture, seek the wholeness of the city where I've sent you. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its wholeness you will find your wholeness. That's what we are excited about. That's what we are getting more and more excited about as we talk about what we, what, how we envision 
New Covenant's role in this area, in your life, but also in the lives of the millions of people that surround this space. And we talked last week about how, what that looks like in the city, and I brought you to Micah 6.9, and again, I would encourage you to listen to that message because we talked about what wholeness in the city looks like, and God says, he says, look, this is what I require of you. It's not about all the sacrifices that you bring or how much money you give or, or all the effort that you put in, but this is what I require. I require for you to do justice, to love kindness, and then what ties it all together, to walk humbly with your God. And so we are, we are looking at this from a perspective that our relationship with God, that when, when our relationship with our creator is made whole through Jesus Christ, that will express itself in wholeness to the city. So wholeness in Christ leads to wholeness in the community. And so we have to, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, we have to shift our mindset, right, to see where we are here in South Florida as as a purposeful, intentional place that God has put you. Where you are is where you've been sent. God has sent you here for a purpose. It's a good purpose. It's an exciting purpose. And so we're going to get past all the, the, the negatives about where we live. Sometimes we just focus in on the, the traffic, the congestion, the politics, the, the bugs, the weather, all those things, the people and we're going to get past all that and say, no, wow, those aren't, those aren't problems. Actually, those are opportunities for us to engage and for us to, to be excited so that we could see God do something amazing in our city. And so as we look deeper into what wholeness, what wholeness is, looks like, I thought it important and necessary to touch on something that is so, is so crucial because of where we are, but also so sensitive because of where we are, and that's the church. Today, we're going to talk about wholeness in the church. How do you feel about the church? Don't raise your hand, don't ask, don't answer, don't yell out. <laughs> I want you to think about it. The church, I don't, so I do mean the place where you're sitting right now, this wonderful building, this wonderful spot that we call church home, New Covenant Church. How do you feel about it? But also, how do you feel about the idea of church, the, the concept of the church? And honestly, maybe even your, your second qu your question from that is, like, well, Adam, what do you even mean by the church? Because do you mean our church? Do you mean the church down the street? Because there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of churches around here. Many of them are great. You have so many options. But the church is also sometimes a it's an image, it's an institution of pain for people. Maybe you've been hurt by the church. Maybe you've been hurt by people in the church, leaders in the church, the church as a whole. Maybe the language that comes from the church has hurt you. Maybe there has just been 
different opportunities and different occasions where you have just felt abandoned and, and abused and neglected and fill in the blank by the church. And so we can't talk about wholeness without talking about this and addressing it and, and having something to say. And we can't say, I can't say everything today about this subject, but I can tell you that, that this is really important to me and it's near and dear to my heart. It, is, it breaks me to know how at times the church has been an agent of brokenness instead of wholeness. And so what do we do? How do we frame out our, our mindset about the church and, and dealing with these issues? You see, the church has always been a part of God's plan. God loves the church. God has established the church. The church is always a people that, are, that have been called out by God to, to, to unite together and also to bring change and light and hope and healing and goodness and wholeness to wherever the church is. And yet at the same time, we see that very institution becoming an object that has been a source of pain. That word church, we get it from a Greek word. It's this word ekklesia. It means God's called out people. And so sometimes we see that, that God has called us out and we think he's called us out so much that we're, we're to be so far removed from the world around us that we just get into our own little bubbles and, and yeah, we, we miss the point. See, from the beginning, Adam and Eve in the garden, God called them out, he chose them, he creates them to be image bearers and fruitful Multipl multipliers, and we see Abraham being called out from among the people and saying, God tells him, I want you to go and I want you to create a nation. And then we see Israel formed and God calls Israel and says, you're my people, you're my church. We don't see that term just quite yet back in, in the Old Testament, but we see as the New Testament comes along, as Jesus comes, as he lives and dies and is raised from the dead and ascends into heaven, that, that the church is born, that this has become under Christ as the head. We have a church. We have a group of people that serve a Savior, that love a Savior, and we, because of what he has done for us, now we are called out to go live a life very different we are God's people. And as God's people, we're to gather together regularly and worship and to not just do this as a church, but that there is a, a, a family that has been born throughout the world of God's people and that we form in local churches to help us understand who God is better and also help us to make a difference in the world around us. The Apostles' Creed, you might have heard that term before. This isn't a, a creed that the apostles actually spoke. This is just a creed, a, a statement of belief from the early church that said, these are some important things that we believe, that we hold to be very dear. And it, 
based on the apostles' teaching, based on Jesus' teaching. And so you, you see it. This is, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again and ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. And then we get to this one portion. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. This is a powerful creed. It's a powerful statement of what we believe as Christian people, as a church. But this is an interesting spot, right? We, we think about belief and faith always in terms of our relationship with God. Do you believe in God? Do you have faith in God? But here it says, you can put that back up. I believe, we are told to believe in the church. And you're like, well, I'm not Catholic. That's not that Catholic. It's not Roman Catholic. Catholic means universal. It means universal church. It means the one universal church of Jesus Christ. There was no Roman Catholic church when this was necessarily written. This was before that. But this is the, this is the call. We are called to believe in the church, to have faith in the church. Do you, do you think it takes faith to believe in God? Yes, absolutely. Have you ever thought about that it takes faith to believe in the church. And so what do you do when the church fails you? How do we frame out our view of God's church, this special, dear place? It's, it's been interesting to see in our culture, um, people who are turning away from the faith, turning away from the church, running away from the church for different reasons. And I, I compiled a, a, a couple of stories from people that I have read. I wanted to share some of that with you. And maybe you have similar stories, maybe you have similar hurts. But I just want you to listen. This is from real people communicating their view of how, of how they see the church and, and their experience with the church. This is one person. says, we are very, very, we were very, very wounded in our last church. So we're shopping for our kids' sake. If it weren't for them, I would take some time off. But they love fellowship, so we're sticking to it and trying to find some healing in the midst of finding a safe place for them. We are completely devoted to our relationship with the Lord and each other, just trying to find a place where we can be safe. This is another. I'm not really part of a church building anymore. I don't really attend anything. I haven't lost any faith. I still talk to God, listen to worship songs, try to do a devotional every now and then. I know that he knows what's in my heart. I feel like an outsider, no matter what I've tried. I feel like I don't belong anymore. So I just have my personal relationship with God alone. There's another person. I stopped attending church due to people, quite frankly. Without getting too much into it, I had a horrible experience that made me so angry I could never go back. 
And another story. I don't attend church any longer. Tired of all the guilt, money begging, church peer pressure to do, 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 give, give, give. I'm happier being myself and I'm comfortable knowing I'm not being embarrassed to admit I don't have all the answers. I don't know how those stories strike you. Maybe you feel like you want to point a finger at them, say, just get over it. You shouldn't. No place is perfect. But I don't think, I don't think that's, that's the right framework for us. I don't think that we are to look at those who have been hurt by the church as to look at them and just say, well, look, the church is not perfect. It's made of imperfect people, and so therefore you just need to get over it and toughen up. I don't think that's the position that we should take. I don't think that's biblical. I don't think it's right because when you hear someone say, I want to, I'm just looking for a place where I can feel safe, that should break our hearts because, man, this should be a place where you can feel safe. This should be a place where you can feel like you belong. This should be a place of hope and life and joy and healing and wholeness. The church has been a place too often in our culture where we're seeing it's, it's a harbor for, for offenders, for predators. It's a place where money is being hoarded and mis, misused, where leadership is abusing people and people feel like they're just tools so that the church can get to its next place in whatever view it has of success. People are worn out, tired, broken because... of the brokenness that we experience in this world and in the church. And it's not enough for us to just keep saying the church isn't perfect. And I would just say, if any of that is your story, we are not perfect. Man, we are, oh, goodness, we are so not perfect here. But I am sorry for the hurt that you've experienced. And even though I might, not, I might have caused some of it, <laughs> who knows, but I might not have been the direct cause of it, but I hurt for you. And I pray that God would give you a, a restored view of the church where you can find hope and wholeness in this dear place. So what, what should the church look like? What does wholeness in the church look like? What is wholeness <clears throat> for us as a church here, the New Covenant, but also the church as a whole in the world? How, what's our framework for avoiding the things that have been so painful for so many and for a, a vision for, for life in this dear place? So John 21, and I know I've taken a long time to get here, but I felt important to set some of that up. John 21, the passage I read today is a picture of what the church should look like. And you're thinking, I don't, I, don't, I don't see that, Adam. I don't know how you're going to John 21 in this conversation between Jesus and Peter to say that this is a place where we can learn about 
wholeness in the church, well, hopefully I can help clear some of that up. You see, Peter and Jesus are having this conversation, and a lot has led to this conversation. Jesus already has lived his full life. He, he did all his miracles, his healings, his teachings, and he has been arrested. He has been crucified, killed, buried, rose, and now he has appeared to his friends, his disciples, and the world around to before he ascends into heaven. And so he, he, he comes to his disciples. He appears to them on a few occasions. And this is one of those times. See, the disciples were out fishing. They were fishing all night, and they haven't caught anything. They've been, just like most of us when we go fishing, they haven't caught anything. And then Jesus appears at the shore, and he says, hey, cast your net on the other side of the boat. So they're like, they don't know who it is, but they do it. They cast their net on the other side, and the nets get so full, they have trouble hauling the fish out of the water. And so then they realize it's Jesus. Peter like jumps out of the boat. It's just what Peter does. He's swimming. He's, he's, he's so great. <laughs> and they come back to the shore and they start cooking breakfast with the fish they caught. And Jesus, right after breakfast, engages Peter in this conversation and it gets real. And he says this question, he, he asks him this question. He says, Peter, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these? Three times Peter asks this, or Jesus asks this question to Peter. And this is, this is a profound question, a significant question, because three, a few nights ago, <laughs> Peter swore up and down that he would never leave Jesus. He would never deny Jesus. He would always be by his side. And Jesus gets arrested, taken away. And what happens? Peter is asked a simple question. Hey, do you, aren't you one of Jesus' friends? And what does Peter do? No, no, no. Three times he denies Jesus. He says, I don't know him. I never knew him. So now Jesus loops back around to Peter. And he says, do you love me? So Peter gets a chance at a, at a redo, and he says, he says, yes. He says, I love you. And Jesus then says, well, okay, here's what you need to do. Here's what loving me looks like. And so <laughs> it's, it's not just Peter. This is us being asked the question, do you love me? Do you love me, Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, if you love me, then this is what you need to do. And he says this. He says, feed my lambs. And there it is. It's this simple question and answer session that gives us a powerful framework for community life. The love of God should push us to uniquely love and serve one another especially in the context of the local church. So Jesus says, do you love me more than these? Who are the, than these? They're sitting around breakfast. There's, there's fishing nets. There's a fire. There's fish. Is Jesus talking about those things? When he says, love, do you love me more than these? No. Who else is around the fire? It's, it's other people. It's, it's friends. It's loved ones, and Jesus is saying, do you, do you love me more than you love these people, than you love this? And there's this picture of 
of friendship, of community. Do we love God? Do we love Jesus more than anything else that surrounds us? And if so, then he is calling us to a radical, a unique way of engaging with each other. And you might say, well, he's talking to Peter. That's not me. I'm not Peter. Peter, Peter is a unique guy in church history, and Peter was starting the church, and that's what, that's what Jesus is talking to him about. And I would say, well, maybe, yes, but I think the implication is way bigger. It's far more broad. I think that Jesus is asking Peter, and he's asking me, and he's asking you, do you love me? If yes, then feed my lamb. And this is the picture for us. God is calling us to feed. What does it mean to feed? I have three growing children and a dog, all of whom need feeding. And the children are needing more feeding than they ever have before. And it's a constant It's a constant battle, man, trying to give them food because there's three of them. They're three very different people. They all need different things. They all like different things. And we're we're pretty rigid with some stuff, but, you know, there are just certain battles you got to fight and certain battles you don't want to fight. And uh, my wife does a great job of really managing that chaotic structure where three different, at three different age groups are wanting food all the time. And really, it never seems to be anything that we want to give them is what they want. And so we are constantly trying to deal with this. And it really gives you an appreciation of what it means to feed someone, to feed anything, <laughs> To feed, and what Jesus is talking about is not just food. Really, it's not food at all he's talking about. It's to feed is to give of yourself, to give of your resources, of your time, your energy. It's to give life to another. And feeding, just like I talked about with my children, feeding others is not easy. It's easy if you just say, okay, well, you're always going to eat this all the time. Here's your one meal that you'll, you'll, you'll have for the rest of your life. And you'll, you know, I'm just going to, it's going to be very cheap, inexpensive, and it's going to be very convenient for me to give you this food. But that's not what God's calling us to do. When he says, I want you to feed my lambs, he is calling us to give of ourselves to other people in a way that is not simple, not easy. And I talked about this last week, that complex problems require complex solutions. And we often just want to fix things quickly. We want to, we want to get to the solution quickly so I can get that off my plate and move on to the next challenge. And that is so opposite of what God is calling us to do. We, we, we are called to to be the church, to be a place where we are feeding one another, where we really are doing this in a way that's meaningful. And it takes time, and it takes patience, and it takes resources, and it takes wisdom. Because it takes wisdom to know what to feed someone in the moment. I want to give you, I want you to look at a scripture this is 1 Thessalonians 5.14. I think, this is a, I think this is a helpful scripture for us to look at. 
Look at what he says. He says, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. So if we just look at this for a second, this is feeding language. If you're like, I don't understand, Adam, what you're talking about, food, feeding people. This is feeding. This is Paul giving instruction on how we are to help one another, how we're to live with one another. And so you notice, look, there's admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. This is a separate sermon that I can't preach right now. But what I can point out in this is we need different things at different times in our life, at different moments when we are feeling discouraged. Man, if you're feeling discouraged and all I do is bring the wrong food to you because it's convenient for me, you are getting nothing. You're gonna be more discouraged, more broken down, more of the bad. You need encouragement when you're feeling faint-hearted or discouraged. If you're idle, right, and you're just lazy, you're not doing anything, you're, not, you're, you're in a funk, you're in a bad way, you're just not, you're not on track with where you're supposed to go, well, you might need some encouragement, but you, you don't really need a, hey, great job, you're doing a great job. No, you need maybe a little bit of admonishment, a little bit of food, you know, a little bit of broccoli that we don't always like, but it's really necessary for our bodies and necessary for our health, and you are in need of a little bit of, hey, you need to, you, you need to get going, If you're weak, man, anybody weak? <laughs> I've been feeling weak the last few days. The food I need in that moment, the food you need, the food we need is help. It's a little bit of everything, right? And then there's that final sent the statement here, be patient with them all. So you look, none of these are easy. None of these are convenient. And it's just a short little snippet, an example of what it means to feed the, the lambs, to feed the sheep. We need different, we have, our needs are different at different times, right? When you're sick, what kind of food do you need? It ain't broccoli at that time. You need chicken soup, right? You need warm comfort, things that are going to comfort the soul and comfort your, your, your emotional well-being. If you're training for a marathon, what do you need? You need food that's going to energize you, that's going to give you sustenance. When you're, when you're celebrating something, what kind of food do you need? We, need? we need ice cream in that moment. We need donuts. We, we don't want, no one has a birthday bouquet of broccoli, right? We, we don't celebrate with that food. point is this. As a community, we, we are looking to feed one another, and it is hard. Man, it, Jesus says, you love me, feed my sheep. Je Peter was about to start the church. Like, we exist now because of the groundwork that Peter laid. Not easy, not quick, not convenient. In fact, it cost Peter his life. In the end, Peter was crucified because of his faith in Christ, because of his feeding ministry. And it, again, this is not for Peter. This is us as a church community where God is calling us to feed one another, to, to give each other what we require, what we need. And what's so amazing here is 
we tend to turn this into come and be fed. We want Jesus to say, if you love me, come and eat. And he does say that, and there's a place for that, but Jesus is, is very clear. He's not saying, this is not a call for us to come and be fed. This is a call for us to go and feed, to, to move outward and expend energy and take the focus off of ourselves and turned on to others. And that's where true life is found, right? It goes back to our directing scripture. If you seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you in its welfare, in its wholeness, you will find your wholeness. And we go, it just throws everything off. It's, oh, it's so upside down. Down? Because if you're like me, you start to think in terms of this, well, feeding others is really hard, and I got my own problems, and also, what am I going to eat? Right? What, what about me? Man, God, you're calling me to go feed, feed the lambs. I'm hungry. Who's going who's to feed me? I need to be fed. What, what about me? Church is so that I can eat. And, and some of that is true. Look, hopefully you're getting fed right now. That's, that's part of why you're here. And that's part of our Sunday experiences. You are, you are, you're here to receive as well. You are being fed. But it's so much more than that. God over and over and over again pushes us away from that mindset. And as we push outward to love others, to feed others, our lives are positively impacted, right? That's what we, we, we use that word. We are blessed. As we seek the feeding of others, we will be fed. That's good news, yeah? It's better than just sitting back and going, man, I just can't wait for my next meal. Where's it going to come from? No. God says, you want to eat? You want to see where your next meal comes from? Be a feeder. Be someone who feeds others. And, and we get the motivation right in our scripture. He says, feed my lamb. See, here, here's a couple of things about that. Lambs are, are, are not pleasant Right? They're not, they don't give a lot back. When you, when you feed them, they don't come up and hug you and say, oh, you know, thank you, feeding one. No, they, they just do their business, you know, and they, they eat and they don't, they don't care. So it, there's not a lot of return there. And, but, but the beauty of it is, whose lambs are they? He says, feed my Lambs. And we get this picture that God is this creator. He is Lord. He is the shepherd. And he says, these are my lambs, and I am, I am giving them to you so that they could be fed. There's our motivation. What did Jesus just do before this conversation? Jesus lived and was perfect and taught and healed, and then he dies a death that we were supposed to die because of our sin. He takes our sin on himself, and then he, he, is, he is tortured and crucified and buried, and then he, he beats death by being raised, and now he says, if you love me, after all that, here's what I want you to do. I want you to feed my lambs. I'm giving my lambs to you to be fed. We do this for him, because of him. And this is what the church is supposed to be.
going to ask the worship team to come on up. This is what the church is supposed to be. So the question for us is, what does feeding his lambs look like today, tomorrow, Tuesday? Who are the people that you are going to go to? Are you willing to go after the lambs? In order to do this, in order to, we have to have the right mindset. We have to understand what we're talking about here. And because it could be overwhelming to say, okay, well, how, how am I going to feed everybody that I encounter? And, and that, you know, this message is a, a, a nudge for us. It doesn't give us all the answers, but it gives us a paradigm, a framework to say, man, the church is so special. If we, if we were doing this more, if we were focusing on feeding more than being fed and getting everything that we want, then maybe, maybe some of the pain would be eased. Maybe there would be more mending. Maybe there would be a little more care taken because our eyes are off of our own issues, our own needs, and they are just pushing out onto other people. And so in order for that to happen, we, we first have to feed our own soul. Well, our souls need to be fed. We feed our soul by having relationship with God, by engaging. I mean, we can't do any of this without that connection between us and our Savior. He is everything. He is the vine. We need to be attached to that source of life. And so understanding a need for a personal relationship with God, that's step one. And it is our eyes look to him first for wholeness. When we are fed by God, when we engage in that time of, of feeding on his word, we become strong and whole and healthy, and then we now can go feed. So feed your soul and feed your family your family, what I mean is not just your immediate family, but the people closest to you, the people in your life that are closest, that, that are in that daily encounter with you, and that would include your church family. You, we, this is why we do small groups. This is why we meet on Sunday mornings. This is why we engage in, in different activity to, to bring us closer together because there, when we're doing that, there's a mutual feeding happening. We don't walk into those meetings and go, all right, I'm ready to feed me. No, no, no. We go into those times and, and thinking about our families, our, our wives, our husbands, our children, our brothers and sisters here at the church, and we are looking to feed in whatever ways that we can. So we feed your soul, feed your family, feed your world. This would be the next circle out. Those, those in your rhythm of life. So that would be the world around you that you engage with, your work, your school, your gym, your team, the people you encounter as you're walking the streets, man, like our eyes are open, we're thinking in this paradigm, we're trying to see, okay, this is what God is calling me as a church goer, as a Christian to feed.
And you might be thinking, Adam, I, I just can't, man. This is, it is too painful. I've been hurt too much. The only reason I'm even here right now or listening right now is because someone made me or because I felt guilty or because I just thought this was the right thing I had to do, and I, but I'm never going to get involved. I don't want to feed because I have just been so hurt and neglected. I just want to point really quickly, because I hurt with you, I hurt for you. I want this to be a place so unlike your past experience, but, but I want to open your eyes just to the bigger picture here where Jesus and Peter are having this conversation. Peter is, just a few nights ago, cursing God, abandoning him, saying he never knew him. And here's Jesus coming back to Peter and actually reminding him, right? When he says, do you love me? He's really saying, hey, do you remember you failed me <laughs> three times? He said, remember, remember what just happened the other night? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Jesus was hurt, abused, victimized, marginalized, neglected by his best friend. And then humanity, who consistently turns from him and says, I don't want you. And Jesus always runs back and pursues and says, do you love me? Because I love you. Jesus didn't give up on Peter. He didn't give up on his people. He didn't give up on the church because he loved them. He loves his people. He loves his church. The church is full of broken people. I am one of them. You're sitting next to one of them. <laughs> behind, in front of, but he is calling us to embrace the brokenness, to own the brokenness that exists in, in this structure, and to seek wholeness in the midst of it, to not give up on it, to not just throw it out and say, I, I, I don't want church anymore because I've been hurt. I don't want to deal with that problem anymore. It's, I can have church anywhere. There is truth to that, but I'm telling you, there is something special about us being here right now, and this is an important time for us as God's people to come together and to worship him together. This isn't just your time with God as you sit in those seats. This is our time together with God and with one another. And I want to call you to a excited, joyful, hopeful response to this whole thing where you would say, man, the church is not perfect, but I am, I'm not giving up because God doesn't give up on me. What will feeding others look like this week for you? Can you just imagine what our lives would look like if, if we lived this way? Imagine our church. Imagine the, the global church. Imagine if we really had this mindset where we take this conversation and go, I am, I am a feeder. I am going to be a feeder of people. And I may not have much to give, but what I, what I have, I'm going to give. I'm going to pour out in in everyday life, imagine what it would do to our church, imagine what it would do to our city, our lives, our homes, feeding everywhere we go, everyone we meet. No one hungry for emotional, spiritual, or relational food. It'd be awesome. I hope you're excited for that. Church, let's stand up together.
We need God's grace for this. We're going to sing about that. And I'm going to pray for us as we've heard what God has communicated in his word. Father, you love us. Just the fact that you had that conversation with Peter after Peter blew it so badly, it gives us hope that no matter how we blow it, we can own it, we can respond and say, I'm sorry, God, I do love you, and I want to do what you want for my life. And so, Lord, I pray as a church here at New Covenant, we would be a, pl- a feeding place that we would see wholeness in not just this church, but in the church, the church as a whole. And we would be excited to give. We would be excited to see restoration and wholeness come through your word. God, and if there are those in here who who have not yet given their life to you, who have trusted you for the forgiveness of their sins, God, I pray you would call them right now, and I invite them right now to trust in you. They would say, God, I need you. Forgive me, I am a sinner. Make me whole so that I can be an agent of wholeness in my life. We pray in Jesus' name.